You're listening. No. You're listening to the Buns.com Podcast Network. (laughs) (laughs) Buns, buns, buns. Okay. Hey, guys. Hello, lovers. Welcome to You Gotta Love It, the show where you tell us and the rest of the world the things that you love that we might have missed, the show where you come to discover the best things you never knew existed, and the show where you force us to sit through the worst entertainment you can find and say, well, you gotta love it. My name is Koji. I am a part-time skater and full-time... Inline skater? No, I was going to say something along the lines of like a um, modern day philosopher. Okay. Uh, and with me, as always, is my good friend and half Vietnamese guy, Andrew Patterson. Hello. Summertime. Woo. It's and the living's easy. Hot as hell right now. Yeah. It it's is so hot. Goddamn hot. Um, and then we watched two, two films this week yeah. that were to the to, extreme, to the extreme with the next had lots of summertime and no vibes. E. Yeah. Yeah. California all over them. Well, one of them was partially in Cincinnati, but right. we'll get to that. Uh, yeah, I guess we start with the, we'll start with the hidden gem as, as usual. A, yeah. So I got a lot of notes for the hidden gem, which is the Christian Slater vehicle gleaming the cube. First question yeah. for you. Do you understand what gleaming the cube means? Yeah, it's a mindset. It's when you're in the zone skateboarding, you are gleaming the cube. That's one of, one of the characters says that in the movie. Right, but have you ever heard of that outside of this movie? No. And did you find that this was used at any time other than that one scene in this movie? For it to be called that? No. Now, you know, I'm going to, as as we talk about this, I'm actually going to Google, I'm going to Google right now to see if that is a term that exists outside of this movie. Because that was the only thing that was really confusing to me is I still don't really understand what it means. So a uh, quick recap of the movie. Christian Slater is like a punk skater in California who has a... Vietnamese adopted brother who is, you know, the studious one, the responsible one. Uh, and he is the brother is, is working at a job. <laughs> uh, what, what have you found? Uh, uh, we well, finish, finish oh, yeah. the synopsis. Okay. So <laughs> the, br- the brother's working at a job, uh, with some other Vietnamese people who, uh, it turns out are sending supplies back for relief for the Vietnamese people during uh, or post Vietnam Vietnam War, and uh, he finds some discrepancies in the bookkeeping and the weights in, of freight. Uh, what are those things called? Like uh, those big metal containers, freight containers, whatever you want to call them, yeah. shipping containers. Shipping containers, yeah. Uh, and brings it to the uh, attention of his boss who uh, realizes this kid might be onto a little scheme that they've been running. And uh, they kind of 
partially kidnap the kid to threaten him to stop and in the midst of that threatening, kill the kid. And only Christian Slater believes that the death is not a suicide. And so he he begins his own investigation. And uh, yeah, and then kind of gets embroiled in this whole Vietnamese gun running conspiracy that can only be solved by skateboarding. Correct. How's that? That was pretty good. That was pretty good. So I did find that uh, Urban Dictionary had some, of course, who else other than Urban Dictionary? Um, The top definition does say to push yourself to dangerous new limits, hence being outside of the cube and able to polish it to create the gleaming effect. Now, I still don't understand the cube part, though. It's like outside the box? It's just a different word for box. That's... uh, but it's made out of some sort of material that you can polish it. Yeah, you're gleaming it. Anyway. Second definition. Oh, yeah. When a girl rubs her pussy on a man's bald head. <laughs> uh, there's oh. still more. The third one is to fail so badly that there is brilliance in the failure, a phrase coined by cinema abattoir bloggers in reference to a 1989 movie starring Christian Slater. Which, which is- did not fail. <laughs> Well, I don't know if it failed in the box office, but... And then the final definition, perhaps the most far, far-reaching far definition. Yeah. Intense masturbation aimed in the direction <laughs> of a Nintendo GameCube that has Beyblade stickers on it. It's oddly specific. <laughs> nice. Anyway, so now that we've determined that it's not really a phrase outside of this film. Right. Uh, yeah. So the first thing I noticed about this film, I took a bunch of notes, actually. Sick intro credits? Yes. Very, like, late 80s, early 90s. They say rat a lot in this film. Like that crazy, like, punchy, yeah. Uh, Yeah, if you're wondering what kind of movie it is, like, they definitely, um, you know, there's, like, a lot of, like, radicals and... uh, I wouldn't be surprised if someone yelled out cowabunga at a point, unironically. But the, f- the first thing I noticed about this film is it's very obviously pre-9-11. The first scene is a bunch of skate punks skating around the airport. Like an in active, the airport. An active airport. Yeah. yeah. Like on the runways and stuff. And you're just like, ooh. I don't even know if that... like. I don't think that would have been allowed before 9-11 well, either. I mean, they were looking for to charter a flight, so like... Maybe, but like pretty wild. Charter a flight to scout pools that they could then shred. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, In that scene, I also made a note, costumes are great, mostly because the kid is wearing a suicidal tendencies hat. Yeah. Like like cycling cap, like flipped up. Yeah. And they were all just like, it felt like they were going over the top to try to portray skaters, but like, I feel like those costumes maybe... Maybe just because we live in Toronto and places like they've kind of helped West End Toronto, what people yeah. are wearing now. Yeah, yeah. And you're just—I was watching it like, oh, you could go to Urban Outfitters today and buy like eighty percent of the T-shirts and jackets that they are wearing in this movie, and have it be totally, you know, like. I, I thought some of it was over the top, like when they were in the plane stickering the airplane. I'm like, like it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they they. You know, you know, generally speaking, would like to go around the city stickering things and putting things where they shouldn't belong, but they wouldn't do that in an airplane that's helping them scout pools. I don't know, man. Tommy Guerrero and Tony Hawk. Yeah. In his entourage, his crew of skaters included real skaters. Well, well so uh, I don't know if you know this, but um, 
all the skateboarding was coordinated by Stacy Peralta mm, in, that, the, in the film. Okay, yeah. And so Christian Slater himself was trained by, <clears throat> by Tony Hawk. Cool. And the film featured stunts and actors that were all part of the Bones Brigade. Like the original that makes perfect sense based on all of the skateboarding merchandise in the film. Yeah. So like, like, there's like actual, like the stuff isn't like, they didn't just go like, oh, let's like observe skater culture and like create a bunch of props. Like when you're looking at the actual decks and like the stickers, for example, like all, you're just like, oh, these are all like real late eighties logos and like skate stuff merchandise you know what i mean and yeah. like equipment and stuff so yeah. so two things for those of you who don't know stacy peralta is one of the original z boys uh from dogtown and z boys fame and uh the bones brigade is a skate crew that he put together after the you know in the wake of all of that and the flatland stuff that you see in the movie is rodney mullen because he was also a member of bones brigade amazing yeah so this you mean that like flash or flash dance? Yeah, flash dance style skateboard scene where it's like, yeah, and he like goes off to just like when he gets skate to, away his worries. Yeah, and when he like, gets angry that nobody's listening to him, and yeah. he's just like, "Fuck this, man!" And <laughs> just starts like ripping on a skateboard, <laughs> spinning around and stuff. That was so. My favorite part about this movie was all of the needless skateboard trickery that was going on. Like when he was chasing guys down a hill or whatever, he'd like do power slides every so often down the Doing hill. Doing little like, reverts and stuff. Yeah. Why? Cut, yeah. Well, you know, gleaming the cube, man. Yeah, exactly. If you were just doing it normally, it wouldn't be as extreme. You wouldn't be gleaming the cube. You'd just be chasing guys on a skateboard. And that last scene after he <clears> takes <throat> the giant spill on that skateboard and like he saved the day or whatever and they're all just sitting there laughing and it's just like, ah, oh, the truck should have been a little straighter. You could have killed me. <laughs> I was like, ah, oh, this is so... Like it's hilarious. This movie's fucking hilarious. And the amount of sketching going on. In oh this yeah. Movie. Okay. Well, yeah. Fuck. Like the, high speed sketching. When he goes underneath the eighteen wheeler. Yeah. And the guy driving the eighteen wheeler just kind of like whoa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like what? <laughs> that guy would be like swerving wildly. Yeah. <laughs> to, like anyway, there and there's a lot. Basically pulled a Fast and Furious, but yeah. in skateboard mode. Yeah. Went from skitching a Corvette to going beneath an 18-wheeler on a freeway. So uh, for those of you, again, who don't know, skitching is when you uh, are on a skateboard holding the back of a vehicle as it's moving. Yeah, which I don't think would ever happen on a freeway in real life. No. When the guy knocks into the guy's car and he's just like, that guy wasn't a cop. Yeah, Go the, get him. And, and the, the guy's, guy's like, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a lot of... Uh, the, there was a lot of endangering innocent life yeah. in this movie that just like, you know, that happens in like a lot of movies where they don't focus on it. So you don't think about it as much. So it often doesn't carry as much weight, but like the amount of car accidents and just like crazy shit happening. And you're just like, what the fuck? I did find it funny at the beginning when his dad asked him to leave his skateboard outside and he says, it's not going to shit on the floor. Yeah. That's pretty good. So there's some there's some okay jokes in there. One thing that I want to point out for when we talk about the next movie is the parents in this movie are pretty involved. Like not they're not central to the storyline at all, but they're parents. Yeah. Right? They're like the one dad wants his Vietnamese son to just continue on a successful path and the other son to kind of clean up his act a little bit. 
the Vietnamese girl has a dad who's very protective and like old worldly and whatever. And I think that's kind of important because it like gives the movie a, a bit of a sense of realism, as much realism as there can be in like a skateboard superhero movie. But yeah, well, the touching on that, uh, it's pretty interesting to me that because this is one of the things we talked about a lot when we were discussing Fantastic Four, the most recent Fantastic Four, that this movie was 1989 and it had a very atypical family. Well, at, I'll say atypical in that it was. I can't think of many Hollywood examples of a movie where it was like there was an adopted son or an adopted family member of like another race that wasn't the whole point of the movie. Obviously, it played a role, but it wasn't yeah. like the but movie. But it didn't have to, right? Like, yeah, the movie, movie easily could have been written a different way. Yeah, it could have been just some other kid working at that store. Yeah. Like his, his brother, maybe his brother's just good at math. Yeah. But then they also didn't, at least in my opinion, sensationalize it for the sake of, you know, like it didn't seem yeah. over the top. The only time it comes up is like when his buddy kind of jokes him at the high school, like sometimes I forget which one of you is adopted. Yeah. But like other than that, it's not really used as a plot device to be like, oh, we're going to use this for jokes or we're going to use this to let, you know, it was just kind of like it was his brother and it may have caused a little bit of conflict with his parents. But like yeah, at that once you know, as close to a touching moment as you get in this movie when he's talking with his dad and he's like, you know, I was, I was like a handful before you adopted him. Like it wasn't like, yeah. it wasn't like this like changed me or I turned into some sort of troubled youth because I wasn't getting enough attention. Right. Um, but I don't know. I, and I kind of, I like seeing that. I like when people, even in a movie that's about skateboarders trying to like save the world. Yeah. <laughs> when they try to normalize stuff like that, because I think it's important for people to like see that, that stuff is totally normal. <laughs> you know? Well, I mean, they kind of... It will become more and more normal as time goes on. Further that a little bit, there was a scene that kind of, like, struck a bit of a chord with me, and I'm sure it was you, being, you know, half, is, like, when he goes... When he first goes to work and he's running late, and the guy outside hassles him, mm -hmm. and he's kind of, like, hassling him, even though he's Vietnamese. because his last name is Kelly? Yeah. He's, like, hassling, hassling him for, like, kind of being white or whatever. Yeah. You know? Or, like, being whitewashed. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Because, like, for me, when I grew up in high school, all the Asian kids, like, hung out together just as Asian kids. And, like, you know, it wasn't necessarily racially divided all the way across, you know, like, the school or whatever. But... As an example, they would generally hang out with one another. But like all of my white friends are like, oh, you're an Asian guy, right? And all the Asian kids were like, oh, this guy's white. Yeah, of course. So. Yeah, totally. Definitely struck a chord. And even today, as grown-ass men, we run into that constantly in this incredibly tense social atmosphere, environment that we live in where people, progressive people want this like, you know, they want everything to be liquid. They want things to be inclusive. But in the wake of like, uh, you know, the American presidency and everything that's kind of happening elsewhere in the world, they're just becoming more and more divided. So it's actually like for, uh, you know, it's it's just a weird situation to be in. It definitely like stands out as something weirdly relevant that I did not expect to see in this film. So when I was watching it, I was just like, oh, fuck, this is like. I'm paying more attention to those tiny little keys than I am like 
the overall ridiculousness of this movie, which helped me to love it more, I think. Sure. Grounded it a little bit. I was like, oh, uh, he just fucking trapped security guards in a trailer full of firecrackers and then tried to blow up a warehouse. Yeah. After breaking into this facility, it all blacked out with his pads and his new skate deck. But And, and, and the guy's... Dad's or the girl's dad's hat for some reason. I think he was leaving it there to like throw people off the scent or something. Yeah. I don't know. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Definitely inter- some interesting choices I think were made in this movie. And I would be curious to know more about that writing process and how, you know, like who, who made those decisions. Yeah. And the, how those decisions made it all the way through to the final cut of the movie. Because it definitely feels like something that somebody would have flagged, especially in the late 80s, to be like, why is this necessary? Sure. (laughs) You know? Well, so another thing that I found really interesting um, to kind of move away from that back to the skateboarding is the skating in the movie was all done very well. Mm -hmm. Uh, But there were scenes where it was very clearly like, especially when he's on the ramp doing tricks, Mm -hmm. it's very obviously Tony Hawk in a wig. Mm Mm-hmm. Doing the, like you can even see the t- Tony Hawk esque features with like a a guy with a blonde wig on. It's fucking hilarious. Tony Hawk has pretty distinct features too. Yeah, he kind of looks like a hawk. Sure, he's got a very sharp nose. Anyway, uh, lots of Pizza Hut plugs. Oh man, sponsorship just, shots. Just Co- Pizza Hut everywhere. Pizza Hut everywhere. Coca Cola. Um. Interesting, though. Yeah. Also, can we talk about that kid's uh, bomb shelter fucking... Oh, like... He's got that ladder going to his room? Yeah, there's just... Uh, first of all, the back... his They don't focus on it at all, but when he goes to visit his one friend, uh, the family, they're playing, like, Scrabble. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, but they're, like, clearly totally okay with him skating because his their pool in the backyard is just empty and like yeah. all spray painted yeah, yeah and he's clearly just using it for skating and then there's just a manhole cover that he opens and goes down a ladder into like a bomb sh- a buried underground bomb shelter that that is his room that is his room and it's like it's pretty fucking, incredible yeah it's pretty cool <laughs> but like yeah that's the first thing i was like why does this guy have a ladder to his room and then yeah like but i guess that also why did tony hawk have three phones well one was pizza orders Gotcha. I don't know what the other two were for. Because, like, you know, he answers the phone at first, and the guy's like, you want pizza now? And he's like, I don't want pizza at 6 in the morning. (laughs) You know, we have to meet and skateboard or whatever. But uh, (laughs) Yeah, I don't want pizza. We have to meet and skateboard or whatever. Uh, Uh, Also, one other thing that I thought was hilarious was when his P-Assemble, he Avenger assembles all of his buddies, and during that epic slightly too long car chase that's like the last 15 to 20 minutes of the movie it's so long it goes on and so long and the, like the and guy's driving up the hill at gunpoint and then at the top of the hill these skaters appear and the guy's just like just run over them i don't care just drive through them yeah for some reason the guy just panics and is like nah! and like yeah. spins out in the car but like <laughs> yeah. it didn't even so somehow just a bunch of kids <laughs> a group of kids skating down a hill towards a bashed up police car with a guy holding somebody at gunpoint in it. Like that was uh, pretty funny. There's a little bit of a leap in logic there where it was like, yeah, skate skateboarders fucking 
anti-establishment, man. I love, I, but I love that how he, how they're like, uh, he calls them up. He's like, I got, you got your people, I got mine. And the cops just okay with it. He's yeah. like, yeah, sure, invite these kids to this uh, incredibly yeah. volatile, potentially dangerous, potentially dangerous situation. Yeah, I did like that cop though. That guy was funny. The sheriff. So, the sheriff or the guy that like is on his side. The guy that, well, the young guy, isn't he? He was the sheriff, wasn't he? Was he the sheriff? Everybody kept calling him sheriff. Oh, I don't know. And he, he drove a car that had the sheriff, the car that they stole from him had the sheriff star on it. So he is um, the actor that, have you ever seen the show Ray Donovan? Yeah, like once or twice. He plays Avi in Ray Donovan. The mm. Ray Donovan's like uh, Israeli partner. Anyway. Well. He was cool in this. Yeah, he definitely was. Cool dude. Cool, cool, cool. Cool, cool. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, yeah, big, what else? Big fan. Um, what else? Big fan. I liked it. I really liked it. Mm. Um, I don't know what else. Well, nothing else to be said about this movie. Uh, would you, okay, would you recommend it though? Yeah, I'd recommend it. Sure. It's, okay. uh, it's like a fun late 80s. It's got... It certainly has an 80s feel. Oh, yeah. Young Christian Slater. I don't know. Like, it was like a... I could see if I wasn't, you know, a child at the time, probably enjoying this movie if it was the right age, you know? Yeah. Like, it being one of those movies that I was like, oh, fuck yeah. Because I feel like it... it so, you like, you, you don't... Had never heard about it or anything? I'd never heard about it. But I think the thing is, like... Anytime that Hollywood tries to make something cater towards the teenage demographic mm-hmm. about something that's cool, it usually ends up being not cool. Sure. You know? And they're just like, ah, oh, fucking, like, they don't understand our generation. They don't understand the music. They don't, you know, like, it's totally lame. Mm-hmm. Considering this came out in 1989, I'm sure there was some, like, weathered veterans, uh, you know, on the fringes of the skate scene that were like, this is fucking bullshit. But it... I feel like it would be hard to, based on Stacey Peralta, Rodney Mullen, Tony Hawk, Tommy Guerrero, all those guys being involved, Yeah, it's kind of hard to f- find a fault in this movie at like misportraying the skateboarding aspect. It was ridiculous that they were utilizing it the way they did sure. to try to make it an action movie, but it, di- yeah. you know, it didn't feel like necessarily inauthentic to me. Like they played up the sort of, uh, you know living on the fringe, like, you know, fuck society, fuck my parents kind of thing a little bit over the top, but like not so excessively that I was like, this is so stupid. I was just like, oh, okay. Like, yeah. You work at a skate shop. Even today you see kids like that, that are like fucking, you know, like 12, 13 years old. Yeah. I mean, so it's like, it wasn't like a, a Hollywooded version of what skateboarding is. Yeah, except for some of the more outrageous stunts and using them in like car chases. Well, yeah, okay. I mean, the idea of a of a kid going sneaking into a factory that has weapons with no guards. Yeah. Or like very inept guards and being able to like from a lifestyle perspective it kind of made sense. Like the posters, the clothes, you know, all that kind of stuff. You're like, "Oh, okay." Yeah. It's kind of funny when he came to school dressed up nicely with a haircut and and like that kid crashed his bike. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Well, he changes for the girl, which is like, "Mm, I don't know. Also, it's kind of weird because wasn't that his like late brother's kind of crush? Like, yeah, Yeah, but he wasn't at the at the time. He wasn't thinking of her in a romantic way. He just wanted to get info on the dad, if you recall. Oh, I recall that, but it still ended up romantic, (laughs) which was kind of weird. 
Yeah. Anyway, uh, Gleaming the Cube. What a weird fucking name for a movie. Um, what a weird name for anything. Mm-hmm. Shall we move on to the let's uh, other one? Yes, let's talk a little more about uh, Airborne, Airbud. Um, you want to you want to recap this one for us? It's fucking hot outside. Um, it's hot in here. It's hot inside. Yeah, Airborne was a 1993 film starring a kid that I don't recognize and Seth Green. So that kid has only done his only credit is this movie, and then he became a real estate agent later in life. Interesting. Uh, also starring Jack Black. Um, who else? There's one to be somebody else I'm forgetting. Um, a young no, Jack Black. That's anyway. all, I, all I remember is Seth Green and Jack Black. It's so. about a kid, the kid whose name we can't remember, that became a real estate agent. Mitchell Goosen. Mitchell Goosen. Yeah, but I meant like yeah, that. Yeah, I know. Anyway, he, uh, he's this like gnarly surfer dude that also loves to inline skate that lives in Huntington Beach, California. And uh, his parents, he discovers at the beginning of the movie... Uh, have just gotten a grant to go study the Australian wombat for six months. Can we talk about how um, irresponsible his parents are? Yeah. They're just like, ah, fuck you, we're up. Yeah. Yeah, they're like, we're going to go study. the, And he's like super stoked because he's like, oh, yeah, fucking amazing surfing in Australia. And they're like, no, you're not coming with us because you're still in school. So they ship him off to Cincinnati uh, to stay with his aunt and uncle. Right. Uh, in the middle of the winter, and it's sort of a displaced youth coming of age story, I guess you could call it. Yeah. It's about him coming to grips with a lot of, th- but I mean, he's kind of already a pretty seemingly well adjusted dude when he gets there. Like for, sure. for a kid that age, like he's very zen, obnoxiously so. Well, and because he had that problem. He, right? had, he had an experience where he was too aggressive, but he learned his lesson. So now he just. He's kind of wise beyond his ears and ends up in this cold shithole. And, yeah. uh, yeah, and his cousin is Seth Green. Uh, so it's sort of, you know, a two, two outcasts against the high school cast system kind of story. Uh, interesting, some, in, also some interesting choices in this movie. It's very, very weird. I don't really know. I don't really get. Well, so it's kind of a meandering. Of interesting choices. Me- Seth Green's hair. What's the deal? Uh, it's kind of like a angled bowl cut that's bright but long, red. like a long ass bowl cut, though. Yeah. Well, I think. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it kind of fit that he was the weirdo. Sure. But he, but he, he wasn't like the typical nerd outcast that you would see in these movies because he like. Dressed up as like a dictator at one point, you know, or like a beatnik or something. Like he, yeah. he was just like a, a strange guy. And very then like, flamboyant. They try and shoehorn in some sort of love interest into the movie. Yeah, they tried to shoehorn a lot of things in. It's also about hockey. Yes, it is. Well, sort of. So, okay. I mentioned earlier the idea of parents, right? Mm-hmm. In this movie, the parents are... Almost non-existent, except to be some some sort of like poor comedy relief. Mm-hmm. And then to top that off, you have like a, 
the teachers who, who who seemingly take no control over their class whatsoever. Yeah, people just do what they want. Yeah, and like are are openly mocking one another in class as a form of speech. Yeah. Well, also, what is speech class? Is that a thing? Did you ever have that? Uh, we had a section in one of our classes that was speech related, where you had to like write a speech and perform it in front of the class. Mm. But it wasn't it wasn't an entire class. Yeah, I'm going to be real with you. This is pretty bad. I thought it was a pretty bad movie. I didn't love it. Okay. Well, did you love anything about it? I loved the uh, the super saturated, sun drenched intro scene, and whenever he's like fantasizing about being on a surfboard, sure. felt very Top Gun. That yeah. was pretty funny. The music. What about the devil's backbone? The, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. The, That's the race at the end of the movie. The 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 movie itself doesn't make sense, though. No, it doesn't. Well, that's what I meant by meandering. It's just kind of like... And then he wins them over by, what, embarrassing their enemy? So it's like the enemy of my enemy type situation? Or What, when he pantses them? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's all very appealing to the stupidity and sort of Neanderthal caveman uh, aspect, more caveman aspects of high school, the pecking order, if you will, all that kind of shit. Yeah. But uh, still just some real nonsense. Basically, the best way to describe this movie is everything that we just said about Gleaming the Cube, this movie does not do. Right. So if there are two movies that are four years apart that try to capitalize on extreme sports and the X Games... Well, this is like very heavily sponsored by Rollerblade. Sure. Very clearly. Yeah. Very clearly heavily sponsored by Rollerblade. But like the... the Both of these movies may be trying to cash in on the movement, the a, a youth movement at the time. One of them, you're like, ah, okay. All right. Yeah, I'll well, give you that. But then this one is just like... Like when they're in that greenhouse or yeah. they're in that like... Uh, conservatory like the biodome or whatever yeah yeah the gardens yeah and he just like sees that cave and i'm like oh what's in that cave and i actually thought it was going to be something but he just wanted to go in the cave so he could change into his rollerblades and then just skate around even though he's like this zen dude just fucking be completely destructive in this like delicate indoor right and why was she so impressed by it she's like you're such a wild man yeah instead of being like what the fuck is wrong with you you know yeah it's because he knew the names of all the flowers somehow, even though his parents are not botanists. What were they? Zoologists. Oh. Apparently. Yeah. I don't know. I don't even know how I know that. But well, I, I, can't, I, I can't imagine you would be sent on a grant to Australia to study wombats if you are an expert on plant species of... Yeah, I guess they don't, they don't really make it clear, though. Do, do they ever state, like, oh, they're zoologists? I don't think so. Hmm. It's more just like... Uh, that was in the synopsis. That's where I read it. Oh. In my head, I'm just like, okay, so they're scientists of some sort. Mm. They're sciencing. Sweet house, though, that you see for like two minutes at the beginning. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, Seth Green's character is kind of funny, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Jack Black, though. Early Jack Black. Not convincing. Early Jack Black. Early Jack Black. You know, we didn't talk about that. You can I mean, see the, we talked you can about see the beginnings. Mic, you can see the twinkle in his eye of what would become Barry and then the Jack Black we know from Tenacious D and everything after. But yeah, 
Yeah, had his moments. Some of it, I think they were, you know, it was a little, it was a little too uh, almost child actory, trying to like over over the top. But he, I mean, he was young, clear, very clearly. Oh yeah, I know. Young and like finding his comedic voice, but it's clear that he he knew what he was getting at, what he was like trying for. Yeah. Right. Yeah, but it was a pretty straight role for him though, too. The bully's sidekick. You know, sure. just kind of being a jerk. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Some of those pranks were pretty fucking, pretty intense. He, uh, yeah, they were really. That's a, that's another thing with the like lack of parentage in the movie is that like how did nobody help a kid that was super glued to his locker? Like that's fucking, everyone's that's, just being super mean to each other to the point where it's like not even a prank anymore. It's just like abuse. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Like the 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 toilet paper thing, right? Yeah. To me that that's a prank. Where they like are so for whatever reason in the school all the toilet paper is hung on the walls. Right? Or hung on the top of the stalls? Yeah. Right? Seems very prison style for some reason. Yeah. I bet even prison wouldn't have that. And so You'd probably take your own These guys come paper. in and like douse all of the toilet paper with water while this guy's trying to take a shit. And <laughs> That part was like, you know, that's a pranky, like it sucks. Like maybe you use wet toilet paper. He didn't. You see him like walking, like yeah, walking around. Shitty pants. <laughs> shitty pants. But like. Oh, dude, what'd you do? What do you mean? What'd you do with your shitty pants? You know, I didn't, I didn't actually shit my pants. I literally shit my <laughs> pants. You know what I'm talking about? No. David Cross. Never mind. Let's go. Move on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that. Like that one was fine, but the super gluing to the locker, as you mentioned earlier, or um, I'm trying to think of disassembling his desk. Right. So he falls over. Stealing his clothes is like borderline because he has to walk around and like, I don't know. It was like a penny and somebody and wet his wet shoes or something. I don't even, Mm -hmm. I don't know. The whole thing was strange. It's fucking. And then like, was this filmed on location in Cincinnati? I've never been to Cincinnati before. Yeah, it is. So. I looked it up. You're so, just really interested in... Yeah, I don't know why. But but so what was strange though, so the initial storyline is this fish out of water situation where he goes to Cincinnati. He's like the surfer. Fine. You know, I'll give you that. And then he meets these guys who bully him at school because he refuses to fight. Mm-hmm. So they think he's just like some sort of California hippie. Mm-hmm. Fine. Also, that- what do they keep calling him? That seems vaguely racist. Oh, I don't remember. M- not Matahari, but some ma- Maharishi. Maharishi. Yeah. <laughs> it's like anyway. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and so fine. That that all makes sense to me. And then he meets the bully's sister, not knowing it's the bully's sister, and kind of like has a love interest there. And that is also fine. But like then the rivalry with the other school, none of that. Like it, yeah. it would have been just fine if it was him trying to win over the bullies. Yeah, right. That could have been the it's movie. Like Springfield versus Shelbyville sh- shit that came right. into it. Or the movie could have been about him going to the school, them having like this ragtag, you know, Mighty Duck style hockey team that never wins against this other school, and he helps them win. That would have been fine. Mm-hmm. But both these movies together just made it seem so strange. And then like. One of the hockey players from the other school's team was like vaguely abusive to the bully's sister. I wouldn't say vaguely. I would say he was straight up 
rapey with those girls. And I was like, this is really fucking... He's just like grabbing them and like throwing them around and stuff. Oh, I that's was just true. like, this is pretty intense. Um, really strange. It's just really strange. I think... I. So what did you like about this movie? Other than the the glimpses of California. I don't know, man. I mean... I kind of like his like weird California hippie-ish. Like, I like the idea. The, the premise behind the movie... They were atypical characters. Yeah. You know, even Seth Green's, like, as the the odd the odd guy character was you know he was strange even for an oddball mm-hmm. you know there's yeah. some like borderline you know uh, some of the, like the clothes that he was wearing and like the outfits and the way he was acting yeah he wasn't he also was kind of like in between like he was he kind of wanted to fit in and was sort of arrogant in a way yeah like some nerds but like but nobody really liked him though. Nobody was really openly hateful except for when he got lumped in with the main character, though. They just kind of like tolerated him as like kind of the weird guy in the class. Right. But were still willing to let him play hockey before Mr. California. You know, when they sure. needed the extra guy, they were just like, all right, you can play. It's sort but, of that but, like small town, but even it, though that, it's not like, a small town. It makes sense, though, right? Like that fits in with the whole dynamic. It's like yeah. better the devil you know sort of situation. Yeah. Because like... Yeah, he might be a nerd, but they know him. He's the nerd. They're going to pick on him as opposed to this, like, uh, you know, X-Factor type dude where they're just like, fuck this guy. The ringer. And then he just scores on his own net. What an asshole. Yeah, real dickhead. Oh, no, I didn't. I did. There wasn't a lot of fucking goosing. There wasn't a lot of stuff that I liked about it. What about his ripped prepubescent body? You weren't into that? (laughs) No. (laughs) Yeah. What? There's a lot of there's a lot of like stuff in every high school movie that just makes me borderline uh, not even borderline just makes me uncomfortable. You know, when you're a teenager, you're like, yeah. "Oh yeah, this is like totally funny and hilarious." But then when you're like an adult, you're like, uh. "Yeah." Like it's weird to see a high school girl licking her lips when there's like <laughs> a new kid has just come from another yeah. school. You're kind of like I know that these are older actors playing younger people. That's kind of in the back of your mind at the same time as like, right? That's pretty fucking weird. Yeah, I don't know, man. I'm trying to like replay the movie in my head to think of. It. It's impossible because it's very jumbled. It is pretty jumbled. It is pretty jumbled. Like all I can remember is the hockey scenes, the scene at the restaurant, and then the downhill. And this, oh, the scene the, where he's just like, I don't need any of you. I'm gone in three months, man. Yeah. Like, whatever. what about the scene where, so uh, Gleaming the Cube had its uh, flash dance on skateboard moment. This movie had a part where. His dream? His role. No. The part that really happens oh! when he just gets his rollerblades oh, okay, and he's so just that, skating. That is one of my favorite scenes. He's, so he's that's what I love about this he's movie. He's rollerblading and then these two kids on BMX just see him and they're like, oh, let's follow this guy. And they're all just tricking down the street and yeah. he doesn't really pay any attention to them. And then he does this like stunt. He does like a wall ride over these three little kids with skateboards and they just kind of look at each other and then they start following until he's got like a veritable parade of of like young outcast you know, BMX extreme rider, sports. extreme sports kids following him through the streets. Yeah. yeah and then they, they, they end up going to this like totally wicked under a bridge, like 
with a view half of pipe? like the half yeah half pipe it's like and it's not like a you know teenage mutant ninja turtles nighttime dark. like it's just broad daylight and there's just a bunch of people hanging out and yeah. they just have this insane he syncs up with this other guy that we don't know who it is just some other kid and they're doing yeah. like double a doubles half pipe like fucking doing all these this crazy vert and stuff right. and it has virtually no there's no lead up to it there's no tail end of it and there's no explanation and it's like a good like 10 minutes well, and you're just like what ha-? no like, no so there is there is sort of a follow through there if you watch carefully so one of the scenes is him they're all trying to get down these stairs yeah right and uh you know like one of the guys is um trying to think of what they do like there's a kid on a skateboard who like gets off a skateboard and, and i don't know runs down one of the steps and then jumps off and lands back on a skateboard or like whatever there's all these people trying to navigate these steps and it's all kind of awkward but what he does is he just jumps each level of the staircases down and does a trick while he's in the air jumping down each level until he gets to the bottom and there then that's when they all start cheering before they get to the half pipe they're like oh shit this guy's for real or whatever right like oh the, the kids with the bmx's ride like down the side of the staircase it's like a dirt hill right and the reason why that's important is because later on when he's in the race right trying to catch up with these guys on rollerblades everyone who comes to this one area of the race where there's a staircase, they, you know, turn their blade sideways and like quickly shuffle down the stairs. Yeah. And when he gets to the staircase, he's like, uh-uh, and then just jumps from mm. landing to landing to landing. And like, introduce a gun to the story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, God. Yeah, I guess so. But anyway, it was pretty funny to watch. Also, his name is Mitchell Goosen, which is a pretty <laughs> sweet, extreme sports name. Uh can we, are we done talking about this one? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> okay. Not, uh, certainly not as much of a stinker as my boss's daughter. No. Paul Blart. It's watchable. Like, or Holy Terror. If you are of the era, you can watch this movie and have a bit of nostalgia and be like, ah, this is kind of like a fun, silly, late 80s, early 90s. Yeah, it's you know. kind of it hits that like hard, it hits that tough spot where it's not quite silly enough to be just thoroughly lambasted how about that like fashion montage with uh <laughs> no <laughs> you don't want to talk about that no okay yeah all right well we can just talk about recommendations <laughs> for the week then uh what do, do you got well i can do oh what, what did i just this is not a good sign for a recommendation if I can't remember what it is after just watching it. But, um, uh, oh, we talked about it last night. I feel like a lot of people might have overlooked this because it is by a director that most of us shouldn't like, in my opinion. But I just saw the movie Split. Mm. And, you know, it is M. Night. M. Night Shyamalan, and I can understand why most people would be like, mm, I'm going to pass on this one. I would say watch it. Watch it. I liked it. James McAvoy is great. He plays a series of different characters, sort of. And uh, it, it does tie into a, a greater sort of fantastical, uh, superhero-y, supervillain type situation. 
and I, I really liked it. I really liked it. I thought it was well acted. Um, there's not a, like a twist, really, which is what he's kind of known for. But like, I mean, I guess in Unbreakable, the twist is that uh, Mr. Glass is the bad guy. Right. And you're like, oh, shit, he was helping him, but he's really evil or whatever. Like, maybe that's the twist. But it kind of the fact that it's tied into Unbreakable, um, it kind of plays out in a similar way, except there's no like spoiler alert. Well, yeah, if you don't know that, like why you even listen to this podcast, really? <laughs> but uh, shots fired. Yeah. <laughs> but but uh, um, it kind of plays out the same way that Unbreakable plays out, except there's no like grand reveal it's just a fun ride hmm. i see yeah so like uh the last thing i'll say is like unbreakable follows around bruce willis and his like you know rise to becoming a superhero i guess that's like where they leave it off is like this guy's probably gonna go on to fight crime this is like the opposite of that right so they show a villain in the making hmm. and it's good Cool beans, we'll check it out. I'm sure I'm going to have... We're going to have lots of stuff to talk about soon because E3 is happening. Yeah. And there's lots of crazy shit being revealed there. Sure is. Feels like there's still a lot of good movies coming out. This has been a crazier for music. I'm just trying to think. This isn't a hidden gem by any means. And last last episode, I recommended Brockhampton, if I'm not mistaken. You did. Brockhampton's record just came out on Friday. Their new mixtape. It's great. I love it as well as their TV show that I also talked about. So if you didn't listen to that episode, this is kind of a cheat recommendation. You should check out American Boy Band, as well as Brockhampton's mixtape Saturation. And also, you know what? While, you, while you're doing those things, do a little bit of reading about this group, because I find them pretty interesting. But my real recommendation, perhaps predictably, is the new Phoenix record, which also came out on Friday. How was that show, by the way? Fucking amazing. I went and saw Phoenix uh, Toronto, at the Toronto Festival Field Trip, and their stage setup was incredible. They had like a 45-degree backdrop of mirrors so that you could see the band from directly above as they were performing, but then also the stage they were standing on was a video screen. Oh, cool. So the video screen, it gave the illusion that at times they were performing in mid <laughs> In mi- uh, almost made it. Almost made it through the whole episode. Yep. Uh, in midair on video, like on video, moving video. So like at one point, he like laid t- uh, the lead singer uh, laid down on the stage. Right. But then the stage was showing these like pink clouds, flowing pink pink clouds. So if yeah. you looked at the backdrop, it looked like he was just like floating in the sky. How did they come up with this? Show? I don't know, but it was fucking amazing, and it was a great show. But their new album is called Tiamo. Came in on Friday. Check it out. I'm sure you probably already have. You probably already heard their singles because they are by no means a underground band. But right. uh, yeah, and if you're unfamiliar, you should listen to all of their records, their entire back catalog, because they have this is their sixth album, I think, and it's it's pretty. It's just you know, it's a feel good hit of the summer. It's all just like fun, fucking, very polished, danceable. Just get into Groovy. it. Yeah, just fucking get into it. And it's and and it only clocks in at like 36 minutes. So it's kind of like a perfect length, you know, for a summer record. You're just like, oh, you know, it's great. Nice. Yeah. 
Nice. Okay, sweet. Uh, I'm also going to mention that uh, Manchester Orchestra just put out a new teaser track for their upcoming new album, so check that out too. I won't put. I won't. Crazy year for music. Throw that down at the end of the episode because we're gonna do some Phoenix action for you. But yeah, check that out. Anyway, keep loving it. Do to the loot to. Peace.